What's up, Brewroots listeners? We are here with episode 202. Dun, dun, dun. 202. When we get to 303, we should get the, the shitty band 303 to make a song for us. <laughs> yes. They can just be like, I'm doing the 303 logo because once upon a time I was... Were you uh, cool like that? Yeah, yeah I, was really, I was never really cool, <laughs> but yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, but 202, holy shit. Oh, by the way, I'm here with Erica and Sunday <laughs> Ryan. What's up? Surprise, Hi. we're still Hi. here. <laughs> we're still here. Ryan yeah. doesn't have a mic tonight, today, yeah. so... It's okay. He's micless. We are in the fourth interview of our Connecticut trip today. Yeah. And if you've been listening week by week, you've kind of, we've gone from New Haven, about 30 minutes north of New Haven. Mm. We were like, oh yeah, we're going to travel through the state of Connecticut, but we just... We kind of did. We're down the middle-ish. What is this area called? Like This is uh, Central Connecticut. Central Connecticut? Okay. We kind of went down Central. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. 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 We're almost in the geographical center of the state. Okay. Yeah, sense. cool. The next town, Berlin, yeah. it's actually pretty much the end of this road is yeah. a different zip code. Um, <laughs> is the exact pinpoint at yeah, the center so. of the state. Awesome. So it's nice to be in this spot because we're yeah. in the middle of every major highway, easy to get access. So it's really good. Usually people have an idea of where New Britain is when we're like, oh, we're from hard hit and dead center <laughs> yeah. of the state. So, yeah. 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 Nice. That's, a, that's a good thing to have, I guess, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I couldn't pinpoint. I guess we're just on like the top border of our state so what town are you guys we're from like the newburyport area so no north shore massachusetts Massachusetts, that's right yeah yeah (laughs) really cool area i guess but uh so we are here with alvarium did i say right that's correct i butchered it when i came in i was like alvarium and you're like no it's not that man you're an idiot (laughs) he said that in his head he actually said it to me in person (laughs) uh and we're why don't you introduce yourselves it's always so much easier that way so uh Uh, my name is mike larson i'm one of the uh, co-owners and do uh, brewery operations here uh, at alvarium and my name is cherokee robbins i do all of the sales and distribution on the outside of the building so wherever you see our Beers in uh, restaurants, bars, events. I kind of manage all of that outside of here. So yeah, and you guys have an interesting kind of self-distribution story. So yeah, very cool to get into that. We're going to yeah, get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yes. really cool. <laughs> um, we always ask our guests uh, the first memory of beer. So I'm going to ask you first memory of beer because it's usually like the same story. But when did you fall in love with craft beer? It's had to be like late college, so like uh, early twenties ish. Uh, you know, going to Vermont and stuff like that, snowboarding and stuff like that, and uh, came across Magic Hat, number nice. nine. Somebody talked That was to my us. favorite. Our oh, Uber seats. driver last yeah. night was like, have you interviewed Magic Hat? I said, yeah. no, we have not. <laughs> no. I think the brewery's gone by now. Yeah. It's yeah. holiday with somebody else and stuff like that. But yeah, Magic Hat was uh, actually one of the first homebrew clones I've ever made, and it was like back in- Was it number nine? It was number nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apricot uh, mess of a disaster I put together. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure his friends loved it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, free five gallons of beer. Awesome. Cherokee, what about yourself? Um, so working in the restaurant industry, I was exposed to a lot of variety of beers. Um, you know, early twenties, I was working in restaurants quite, quite frequently. So I didn't really get a chance to explore outside the state. Um, I would say my first uh, Connecticut craft beer that I fell in love with was Naughty Nurse from uh, City Steam. <laughs> oh, Ryan's yeah, Ryan favorite. loves that one. Uh, yeah. yeah, I like all those, you know, red ales, mm-hmm. alt beers, lager styles. So um, it's one of my first that I fell in love with. So awesome. Yeah, so you mentioned you were in the restaurant industry um, and you 
and Mike before. What did you do? Yeah, talking before. Uh, I said manufacturing engineer uh, for the past 14, 15 years before taking headfirst dive into this thing. A um, couple different industries, but mainly all in aerospace. Yes. What made the two of you respectively like go into craft beer? Um, it's all their fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, you really want to work in the restaurant anymore? Just come over here. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think it started out part time too. I'm like, hey, can you just help us out a little bit? And, uh, and then, like within three months, they were like, nope, we need you full time. Yeah, great. But anyways, yeah. go ahead, Mike. Start. Oh yeah. Start. So um, diving into the same, you know, I was home brewing on and off for probably 12, 14 years. Uh, I think I started brewing before the age of 21 because I couldn't buy it, so I could make it. Yep. A lot easier that way. Um, but it, you know, kind of evolutionized into this thing. And the industry about, we're we're, we're going to celebrate our fifth anniversary this June. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank it, you. It feels like 30 already. But, yes. um, <laughs> you know, it the industry, like five, about seven years ago, was fairly new in Connecticut. Um, you Do you know, know what brewery number you are? Brewery number 49. Wow. Nice. There's 125 right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, we found that out today. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, two routes kind of paved the way, if, if people don't know that already, for Connecticut. Um, you guys know that story too much? A little bit? Maybe not. Yeah. It's a cool story, actually. Let's so, hear it. Uh, two roads, obviously, massive brewery. They're regionally distributed yep. throughout the U.S. Um, actually, they just went international. Oh, yeah. yeah they, Boom. They, yeah. International. <laughs> um, you know, back, I think, it'd be like 2013, 14. There's only seven breweries in yeah. the state. And you guys could not serve pints, right? Could not serve pints. Uh, the only way to get your market out, beer out to market had to be through a distributor. Um, so when they came onto the market with a good amount of money um, and want to do massive economic development for the state, um, they end up changing, uh, working with the legislators to change some laws to allow there are a variety of different things, but self-distribution and tap rooms. And that's what started the craft beer room within Connecticut. Yeah. You know, within eight, nine years, we went from seven to 125. That's incredible. It so is crazy. That's like part of the things where I would, you know, thinking about this thing, um, you know, I was like 29 years old at that point, paired up with a few people um, and kind of launched this thing off the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, you get to that point where like, oh, I'm going to try to do something for myself and see if it works or it goes down a, down a fireball of flames. But, um, <laughs> you know, try to minimize the risk as much as possible and jumped into this thing and, uh, Obviously, you know, homebrewing for a long time. Um, did you hate homebrewing or did you love it? Uh, when a bunch of my friends uh, started thinking they made good beer, like, oh, you can make some more? Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll waste my entire Sunday, like, yeah. Yeah, making more beer right. now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and then you... you got, Said friends still come to our tap room yeah. to support us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, still there. Yeah. Those are good um, friends. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, the, the craft beer side of it has evolutionized into the business and that's where you know takes precedence over thing and, you know i tell we uh tell people that come in here and we even have a, an intern from this sacred heart program i mentioned earlier which is a university program down in the south um end of the state we have an intern coming in here and he's like oh you just do brewing beer i'm like that's about eight percent of yep. what we do here <laughs> like <laughs> you know um and it, there's a variety of different challenges now and it's uh you know, started from like, oh, let's make a cool product and get into this stuff. And we still make cool products, but it's the challenge of like the daily operations of the brewery and uh, the growth of it too. And we, we have a lot of growth aspects that we're going to be uh, launching out this year. What's something that's lacking? Uh, and this question's for both of you. What's what's something that's lacking in breweries? Uh, would it be like hospitality? What's something that if you could improve across the board at breweries that, you know, you maybe go to or you hear of, you know, even yourselves? Um, well... 
I'm kind of spoiled work when coming to this industry a couple years ago, <clears throat> working with Alvarian because they've always kind of had a very um, home-like, hospitable environment. Everybody here are treated like family and friends, and it's a good time. Um, so one of the things I've noticed, a lot of the newer, small operations opening across the state is that there's always going to be that hospitable aspect that they're kind of missing. And I feel like that comes from you know, a variety of home brewers that turn their dreams into breweries nowadays, they don't really have a lot of the background of the hospitality industry. And I'm not saying you need to own a restaurant. All I'm saying is work one shift at Dunkin' Donuts and I promise (laughs) your whole entire perspective will change. Um, So for me personally, bringing that experience to Alvarium and having the restaurant background, I feel like was um, important. And a lot of these smaller places, they, you know, you have the staff that's passionate and you have the brewers that are passionate about the product, but in terms of the taproom culture or the brand awareness or your social media marketing, there's way more that ties into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And sometimes you go into a tap room and it's just kind of like cold, stale, what do you want kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> and uh, I think that Alvarium, we kind of captured a really good culture here. So, And that's sometimes just... I just want to be clear. That's sometimes nature of the beast, you know. Sometimes oh, yeah, it's absolutely. just two people who are working full time, and then they're own, own the brewery because it's a passion of theirs, and oh, they'll yeah, get absolutely. they'll get there. It's oh, yeah. just yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we took it kind of a, and kind of tailing off of that, um, you know, the culture side of it more. Um, we have a pretty cool story here, and it gives us like a back feel for what the brewery is. Uh, you know, I would say that like people like oh homebrew beer and like I'm gonna build my brewery and come buy my products and stuff like that. We definitely have that too, but we took a different perspective when we were building this place. Um, we, I don't know if you know already of Alvarium, the back history of it, like the actual name. No, why don't we no. tell our listeners? So this, let's yeah, let's yeah, start yeah, with yeah. that. This is kind of the, the story that like uh, creates the Alvarium. It gives us like that, that home feel you're looking for, that location. Um, it gives us a, a tie to the community to a certain standpoint. So uh, Alvarium is actually the Latin word for beehive. Okay. And uh, the reason why we chose that, we're in New Britain right now. New Britain's a uh, manufacturing city of the 60s and 70s. Uh, Stanley Black & Decker Tools is based out of here, the hand tool company. Their headquarters are still here. Obviously, a lot of manufacturing has gone different places. There was 70,000, 80,000 people working here in the 70s, uh, 60s, 70s era. Um, and it was a thriving kinda, community. Thriving community. Yeah. And uh, it kind of got started that way in the 30s and 40s, too. Um, kind of evolutionized into that. And it was known as the Beehive City. Now, there's a Latin motto to the city, but we kind of integrated that name and that feel from the city itself. The Latin motto, I don't want to say it in Latin, I can't pronounce any of those things, but uh, it translates to um, industry fills the hive and enjoys the honey. So it was like you lived, worked, and revolved around the city itself, and uh, basically the, the people that lived here flourished on what was happening. Um, so we kind of took that industrial feel, which is in a lot of breweries anyways, um, but made it more of our own here. So Alvarium has a direct connection to the city itself, um, the city's history, the city's motto, and um, kind of gave us that core people to back up on all the time. So obviously the industry changes. There's uh, fluctuations in beer production. People come in and come out of the tap room, but like having that core connection to the town gives us that slight advantage having a local home base all the time to fall back on. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I'm not like New Britain Brewing Company, but, you know, we could take Alvarium if it grows big enough with both second tap rooms. It always has that location base and the history and the story of it here to start off with. Um, very industrial feeling place. We're in an industrial park in the middle of New Britain here, which is not the most glamorous place, but <laughs> we tried to make it our own. So made it look pretty good. Yeah. 
But it feels like when you first came in here versus to what it is like when you drove in versus when you walked in. It's two different feels. Exactly. Definitely. Right. Definitely felt yeah. homey when you came in. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. It's, we get that a lot from a lot yeah. of people, especially first-time visitors. They'll say, like, you know, it's kind of hard on this road sometimes, and we've tried to do some things on out front of our building to kind of, you know, bring that attention. Because people, I've done it when I first started working here. You drive, drive by right twice, right and you're right like, what yeah. the hell is driveway? <laughs> um, but no, we get that a lot when I have, even on the sales and distribution side, when I encourage our accounts to come out and visit, and I do the tour, and I introduce them to the staff, and we try the beers you get that, they walk in the door and they're like, oh, wow. Like yeah. that factor every single time yeah. because it's not what you're expecting from the outside of the building. Definitely. And especially given the environment that we're in being in a manufacturing neighborhood. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to go back to something. Uh, you mentioned the importance of social media. Um, but what we're going to do first is a message from our sponsors because Ryan's giving me the eyes, giving <laughs> me those sweet, sweet eyes. So message from the sponsors, then we're going to get into that. Cheers. Did you know that your favorite Massachusetts breweries use hops from a local family-owned hop farm right here in Massachusetts? Our friends over at Four Star Farms are there for you whether you're a commercial brewery or a small batch home brewer. Make sure to head over to their website today and get your hands on some of the best and freshest hops available locally. Cheers! At our local homebrew shop, Beer and Wine Hobby, you can get everything you need to make beer, wine, cider, cheese, and more. Not sure where to start? They have knowledgeable staff there to help. Beer and Wine Hobby is family-owned and located in Danvers, Massachusetts. Visit their website, beer-wine.com, and use our promo code BREWROOTS for 10% off your online order today. Shirts on Tap is the box subscription service for craft beer lovers. Each month, Shirts on Tap partners up with seven different breweries from across the country and collaborates on a sweet custom shirt design. We've been teamed up with Shirts on Tap since the inception of the podcast and are proud to announce a new promo code for all of our listeners. To get your first shirt for $5 off, go to the link in our description below and use the promo code. And remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. So obviously we're all in the social media game. I think uh, it's so ingrained anything you do from any industry uh, across the board. A lot of breweries can make their names just based upon their social media because of it creates, you know, I hate the word hype. And I think hype gets used a lot in the craft beer scene, but it does create a, it creates a certain sense of hype. How important is social media for Elvarium? It's, uh, you know, make or break type situations on a lot of things. Um, you know, even when social media, Facebook, Instagram, they change their algorithms, like it directly affects what goes on here. Oh, it here. sucks. It's oh, yeah. so, oh, yeah. so frustrating. <laughs> Fuck no, you, suck. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, we got, you know, 16, 17,000 people that follow us on Facebook and Instagram and like you see the posts go out and it goes go, go, go to like 10 people. I'm like, what the hell just happened here? Yeah. So, uh, they're like, oh yeah, it's supposed to 50 and then we'll make it go a little further. I'm like, ah, all right. But um, yeah, social media, hugely important. Um for brand communication, brand feel, um, you know, half of it is the beer we have here and half of it is how good we advertise it. Um, we spend a good amount of time crafting the social media, the posts, um, 
you know, the, everything has a purpose. It's everything has a, a picture purpose. Of a beer. Yeah. You can't just, just take a picture of beer. You have to pair it with some type of like a song lyric or saying, or, um, you'd you have know. some kind of content attached to it to relate to your viewers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, um, our tapper manager, Kate, she actually manages all of our Instagram, social media, all that stuff, and happens to also be Mike's wife. Um, but she's really awesome. We call her the craft sorceress. Um, <laughs> she helps with some of the can label designs now, too. And um, she's a very integral, important part of the team. Not only does she keep the hive running with all the kids working, um, she also manages the social media and um, does a really great job at it, figuring out like things like that when the algorithm changes or, you know, the importance of hashtags and placement and Times. timing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, if you're going to post every day at 10 a.m., then that needs to be your thing. Like she's really well in tune with that. And um, she's just been developing such an awesome like photography base for all of us to use. Um, like right now we're revamping our website and I've been working all day on, you know, finding the right beer pictures for each beer to put <laughs> yeah, on the website. And she just kills it. Like, you know, and she found the importance of when you're not just taking a picture of a beer in a glass, it's got to be more than that. Yeah. So like anyone we'll can have take a that dog picture. Yeah. or we'll have one right. of the brewers or, you know, she'll have a mountain of chocolate rice crispy cookies, cakes like all <laughs> over the place. And it's yeah. like people are like, oh, it's relatable. And it makes yeah. my makes- chef told me in school that people eat with their eyes. So you want to make sure when you're sending out photos, especially if it's a consumable product. You're gonna. You want people to want it. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a branding itself too. Um, <clears throat> mentioned the new website. We specifically like searched out and found this company called Craft Peak. They make a lot of websites for you know Jester King, Trillium, a lot of big guys mm-hmm. out there. Bessel Brothers. We've heard of them. Yeah, yeah a few of them yeah, out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we signed on with those guys because they're built for this industry. Now yeah. you can go out there, like any brewery can go out there and go like a Squarespace website where the case is, but yeah. we're investing the time and the money to like build something specifically designed for this industry. Yeah, and it makes it a unique story for yeah. us too. Like we meet with them once every couple of weeks and they hold nice. us true to our deadlines. It's like a six month project. I love it. To build this yeah. website. Which awesome. is nice because time slips away from yeah. us. So we're like, all right, this is for your sure. portion of the checklist. Yeah. You need it by next Monday. And you're like, ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the same boat. Uh, not to like toot our own horns. I feel like for a podcast, we have a really good website. And we get traffic to the website. I think a lot of times people don't see the value in an actual like brick and mortar website. You yeah. know, it's like everything just goes through our, through our social, right? Well, we haven't updated our website. It's like people still go to that. Shit. Oh yeah. Like, you know, yeah. that's something that, um, even working with craft peak that we've realized more is, you know, like we were talking about newer breweries and the importance of social media. Um, I've met a lot of the newer breweries, even here in Connecticut. Um, you know, they just at least get a website, up and going, at least, you know, get your name, take the URL, make sure it's yours. And even if you just say like website coming soon, it's still, you want to always have that primary website for people to go to. And we utilize it a lot between our, like our live feed of our draft line, our draft lineup for the week when people come and visit, um, you know, our contact forms, our events going on. Like it's very important to have that because no matter how much of a younger generation of people are on social media, there's always going to be the other generation or people just in general that prefer to go on just a regular website. So definitely your brewery has become kind of a destination though for people to come to. So it's helpful to know what you're getting. If you're like, I don't know, I, I, I trust social media to a certain extent, right? Like, but I always go to the website. I I always trust the website more. Yeah. 
I definitely do the same thing. Yeah. Like when I'm traveling outside of Connecticut, exactly, right. yeah. I'll at least try and find them on social media, but I always look at their website because you can definitely put up a major facade on social media mm-hmm. and you go there and you're like totally <laughs> underwhelmed or they're closed. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and that's, you know, Brian, the other co-founder, I'm sure he was on his way out when yeah, you guys oh, yeah. were coming yeah, in. Yeah. He helps manage all of like that background technology stuff. Like, you know, when the whole COVID shutdown happened, holiday hours, he's mm-hmm. on Google making sure all of our hours are appropriate. That's so important too. Yeah. You know, yeah. we put it on all our social media platforms and, you know, these are little things again, both Mike and Brian and Kate were all working full-time jobs when they first opened Elvarium. So they were all kind of sharing those responsibilities. And yeah. then as we continue to grow, and then all three of them are now here full-time going on two years, right? Two or three. Yeah, two wow. years full-time. That's awesome. Kate was a little bit earlier to the game for managing the tap room, but, um, you know, that's an important aspect. You need a person designated to taking care of all those things, yeah. even yeah. like further in depth of like, I don't even know what the heck was on the email that I got earlier and working with the <laughs> website people about like, you know, making sure that like our emails aren't going to people's spam folders and yeah. like... You look like yeah. a legitimate website. You're not sketchy to all like the filters. Oh yeah, that stuff, was right? that was a struggle we had at first. I mean, we had we an email service, and yeah. it was just like, oh, it's a, we're emailing all these breweries, and it's going to their spam folders. Yeah, like, no wonder we're not every getting every single time, right? Yeah, now it's like we're on a legit one. So it's like it makes sense. These little things that yeah. you know, it's you almost need to go through those growing pains yourself or like find like a, a consultant that's like, yeah. Yeah. this is what you need to do. We so actually I'm, help consult a lot of breweries. Yeah. Mike helps a lot of people with the brew house operations and build outs and equipment. Um, Brian definitely helps on the technology side. Kate is always willing to, pat, you know, offer some advice about social media. And I help a lot with people being interested in sales and distribution yeah. part of it. So so, nice. so let's talk Th- that's about that's a perfect that, segue. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sales and distribution. You guys are kind of right on that cusp. You do it all yourself. Yeah. So it, it evolved into it. Um, in Connecticut, you're allowed to do self distribution. Um, up to a certain point. Though? No, no. It's uh, you a have minimum. to make a certain amount. Yeah, right, you have to make okay. a certain amount of barrels per year mm-hmm. um, to sell the product and even to operate itself. But um, the self-distribution side is definitely a huge challenge, but there's huge benefits and rewards for them because we control the product right to the end consumer's hands. Uh, we can see how, where it's being displayed in the store, how it's running, um, how many cases are allocated to each store. You know, if you don't want to walk into the store and see 15 cases of one SKU and then the bottom case is there for four months. Yeah. Um, so we're able to control a lot of that stuff. Obviously there's a lot of backend issues that always happen with that, but, um, I mean, how many accounts are we up to right now? Over the close to 700? We, no, God, no. Uh, not quite 700. We're at like <laughs> just about 550. And that's a variety of restaurants, bars, and that kind of stuff. Um, if you're going off the number in QuickBooks, you forget that we also sell a lot of things oh, to yeah. other breweries. Oh, so those aren't considered <laughs> retailers. Those are... I'm 700. Yeah. I, know. I was like, yeah. damn, that's huge. Yeah. 550. Maybe I, would, I wouldn't doubt, though, by the end of this year... Um, so just to backtrack a little bit about the full story of sale of the self distro for Alvarium, um, when these guys opened June of 2017, um, I want to say by October, they were starting to get some kegs out to local restaurants, wow. a very small amount here and there. Um, I was a bar manager over at Wooden Tap in Newington, and then they used to come usually on like a Sunday night when the tap room closed just to grab some food and beers and hang out and, uh, Went on for probably about six to eight months of them coming in, and I was always on shift, and we were just chatting, hang out, and then it got to the point where they were like, we're looking for somebody to help us with sales. 
So I came on and then... <laughs> then I bought a canning machine. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> so yeah, it kind of exploded from there. Like, you know, first couple of months, I working in the restaurant industry, having a lot of connections and networking and resources, I was able to, first thing was to hit up all of my friends that work at bars and liquor stores and stuff. So thank you guys for that in the beginning. Yes. However many years ago was it? It feels like 10. Um, so really helped with that. And I mean, the thing is when you're selling your product, it's got to be something you believe in. So already knowing them well enough and their story and having their products, um, it was, it was an easy sell personally for me to kind of portray and give that story to the beer drinking community. Um, so, you know, just being loyal to their brand and believing in their story and helping them like Mike and I, our brains, sometimes we have these massive dreams and conversations about where we're going to be in five or 10 years. And it's crazy to think that I've been here for about three and a half now and the way Alvarium has blown, blown up has been insane. Yeah. Um, but now we have a little bit more of a team before it was me selling and Brian doing all the deliveries. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then we got a delivery driver. So I was selling, they were delivering. Brian still helps with driving. Uh, Michael jump in. We'll have some brew house guys too. If it's a really heavy week of distribution, we started with one van, then we have two. Now we have three and we're um, working on our fourth. Oh, going nice. Going to next week to buy another one. So um, now we have two sales reps. Uh, we just had Evan Hill. He was previously at Beard from down oh, in the Rotten okay. area oh, yeah. of Connecticut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he came on team with us last October and has been absolutely killing the game on that side of the state. He lives in Norwich, so he does all the sales in eastern Connecticut, which has been incredibly helpful because... Yeah even at 300 accounts by myself, as much as I like to think I'm Superman. I, it's <laughs> quite, fine. it's quite overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's like, just sell more beer. It's you don't fine. Have to yeah, sleep. right. You don't right. sleep. You don't have to sleep yeah. or need sanity or anything. No, right? no, That's no, fine. no. Work-life balance. Yeah. What is, what is <laughs> that? What is that? Yeah. I, no we have beer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We have beer for It numbs that. everything. Yeah. Right. So yeah, and then now where we're at, we, um, last summer, I was able to get connect, get in connection with the Yard Goat Stadium. So we were able to land a deal there where now we have our own bar at the Yard Goat Ooh, Stadium. That's and awesome. that is, I'm sorry. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the triple or double A team within Hartford. Awesome. So, so it's, yeah. Major League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baseball. I don't, I don't even, is it considered still Major League Baseball? No, it's like minor league. But, minor uh, league. But it's like right before they go to yeah. The, the, yeah. the pros, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, they, they built a new stadium a couple of years ago, and it's like, I guess, the best minor league stadium in the United U.S. Yeah. right Ooh. now. It's called Dunkin' Donuts That's, Park is yeah. the actual cool. name. Dun it's Dunkin the Hartford. Dunkin' Dunkin'. Of Dunkin'. course Of course it is. So, yeah, we were able, even during with like the COVID on, you know, that unrest, uncertainty, yeah. uncertainty. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, over the past year, even the yard goat stadium, like they were like, we don't know what to expect for sales. You know, you guys are just coming in with us yeah. and we still was, we're able to push a lot of beer out to them. Yeah. Very cool. Summertime kind of fun. People love going to those games. Oh yeah. So it was yeah. perfect for us. And right when you walk in this front of the stadium, our bar is like right there. Giant says the Alvarium oh, Hive yeah. and like yeah. Beer Hive yeah. and and we're also at the um which used to be the Rock Hat Stadium now it's the New Britain B Stadium right on the other side of yeah. town and Collegiate League yeah they were used to be the uh, minor league for um Minnesota Twins I think oh. like that. Yeah. Cool. Fun. so Fun. those are like some big projects that we've yeah. uh, accomplished yeah. over the past few years nice nice I hate to use the term catching fire in a bottle but I feel like that's kind of what you guys have done yeah to a certain extent Yes. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this messages. So All right. Take it away, Sunday. Stay right. tuned. Are you a solo artist, band, podcaster, or anyone else who needs recording services? 
Well, we got a place for you where your vision can become a reality. Welcome to Small Pond Studios, built by hand with heart and sweat equity by musicians for musicians. Go to smallpondstudios.io to reach out to get more information. And make sure you let them know that Barut sent you. Hey, Sound Guy Ryan here. Didn't know if you heard, but we're a part of the Hopped Up Network. There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer. So go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. All right, so people are going to give me shit because I said fire in a bottle. So <laughs> it's actually lightning in a bottle. Come on, yeah, Matt. Come on. Yeah. It's been a long day. Has it? I don't know. What have you done today? Nothing. Oh. Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> You're right. That's what I <laughs> drink beer all day. Yeah, just drink beer all yeah. day. People fine. would say that we did nothing. Yeah, that's <laughs> all you did. All you did was drink beer. Yeah. God. <laughs> um, but I feel like lightning in a bottle kind of can part. I, I don't want to speak for you, but that would happen. Uh, it's a good reference. I mean, there's yeah. a like, let's not minimize it. There's let's a lot hard of hard work, work right? that went yes. into oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But maybe you yeah. opened at the right time. There was a lot of that. It said a lot of sweat equity went to this place. It's uh, you know, great word. I love that term too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally, favorites. like you know, my family came. One of my uncles does water and sewer construction. I was like, hey, can I borrow your you know road saw? I cut my floor open here and put some trench trains in. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, sure. Just is how you run it. I'm like, oh. Is it easier than a uh, centrifuge? Uh, no, it's a lot louder. Than <laughs> covered in concrete and mud and everything else. Oh, but fun. You know, it's um, you know we were building this place too. It's you know, we took all the floors out. I had a good friend of mine who owns his own plumbing HVAC company. We dug the trenches to put the piping in and stuff ourselves. Um, I don't know if you guys took a walk through the front hallway over there. Some pictures. Um, there. Yeah, we saw. We got yeah. photos of it. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, you know, basically, still working full time, building this thing in the, every night and every weekend here. And I was like, you know, it was like in December, and we got to refill all the f- stuff we cut out with concrete. Oh, and uh, it was, uh, I'm like, yeah, can I get a concrete delivery on a Saturday? And like, they're like, no, we need to shut the plant down yeah. on the weekends. Like, we only do it in the summertime. I'm like, uh, what? I still have to work during the week here. So you have to take, I, yeah, take a day off. No, yeah. my, my bread idea had to buy uh, seven pallets of bag concrete from oh the Oh, my God. And hand mix it all. <laughs> we bought a mixer, but yeah, we, we started Still, at 7 a.m. I wasn't here for that yeah. Yeah. We started at 7 a.m. with like... <laughs> the quick set stuff. That, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know exactly. 80 pound bags. Yeah, I know what you're I think it was like uh, 550 of them. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, Awesome's a word, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like it would have just been easier to take like a week of PTO off. Probably would have been. Yeah. 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 But I uh, had a bunch of my friends here. We just fired this thing up at 7 a.m. Just worked till about 11 o'clock at night and poured all everything back to you know where it was. Oh my god! But sweat equity. Great job. Yeah. But this Great is- job. <laughs> if you look at the light fixture above you, yeah. Mike built that by hand. It takes him about eight to ten hours. Yeah, they're beautiful. So they're just so eight to people- ten hours. Like just eight to ten. And then the door behind you, that barn door, he built that in about a half an hour. Half an hour? <laughs> no, an seriously. Hour. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, what we're, what we're so referencing, cool. there's honeycomb light fixtures above us. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Um, they're beautiful. They are. Um, yeah. 
They're custom-made light fixtures out of pine. Uh, they're octagon shaped for each of them. They basically build about like uh, 60 or 70 octagons on this sheet of plywood, you flip it upside down. My buddy wired some lights in there for me, and uh, it said, you know, you go into a place, everybody's got the Edison bulbs and everything else yeah. like that, and you're like, all right, well, how do I make myself a little different, yeah. but still make it so unique that like, it becomes memorable. Still yeah. keep you know? it Elvarium. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, literally you walk in and like, oh, I'm in Elvarium. They have those crazy looking like honeycomb light yeah. fixtures all over the place. And it kind of establishes like a new ceiling for the tap room itself at night. And oh, definitely. Gives a unique feel and everything. Was it important to establish that feeling? I know we were talking about it earlier, but I mean, yeah. when you have this kind of like industrial feel out here, it's like, we know what an industrial tap room looks like. We Everyone knows what that looks like. This does it, not feel like that. It's how to take that industrial feel and soften it. Yeah. To right. make it, make it feel, sexy. Yeah. We, oh, homey, cozy. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was a, somebody came up to me, like, you know, it was like a year or two after we opened and, you know, busy Friday night in here, packed out. There's a hundred people in here and it's jamming and like, some guys like just feels like I'm partying in my front my buddy's basement with a bunch of my friends right now. <laughs> yeah, like, well, that's, yeah, that's kind of the feel we're going that. for. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting to know, uh, getting to know Mike, Kate, and Brian more, and meeting more and more of their friends. Coming, you know, whether it be when we all go down for a beach day in the yeah. summer, or yeah. you know, we all hang out in here on a Friday night. Um, that's just kind of what they've been known for is having really awesome house party lake house ragers <laughs> in like college and stuff. Yeah. So. We expect uh, an invite next time. Yeah, 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 yeah. seriously. <laughs> so, like, kind of harnessing that aspect of hanging out at your buddy's house. You know, we have the couches. Before we expanded this part and have the event space, the B-side now, where we can do private events, we would have people call or email us for reservations in that first little couch area on the uh, other in the other tap room there. Yep. It would be like, yeah, I want to reserve the, the lounge, we called it. <laughs> oh my I want to reserve the lounge for, yeah. like, 10 people on a Friday night, and it's we did it. Yeah. Like, we Why not, yeah, right? Like it's it was insane. Now we have this. As long as there's not an event happening on this side, if it's a busy night in the tap room, we Just do open, open it up. to kind of have yeah. the overflow so people are comfortable. Yeah. And not, especially now, people are still kind of weird about like you know, being yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Oh, It said it carries that same feel of like going over <laughs> your friend's house and you know having a few beers on his deck in his backyard with a bunch of your friends and you know cut, trying to take that feel from the hard industrial feel which is at a ton of other breweries and it's kind of like the brewery mantra to a certain standpoint yeah. and softening it enough to make it feel comfortable yeah yeah definitely so let's talk maybe going forward yeah what are you guys planning on you talked about a bunch of oh, new yeah. things happening uh, for you cool stuff <laughs> happening inside the uh, the brewery itself uh we had a kind of initiative about a year ago uh, to go from, you know, a craft beer, craft brewery to craft beverage. Okay. Um, kind of was like evolutionizing the business more and more. The first step is that we always started making hard seltzers. Yep. Kind of. A how, how did you feel about that as a, as a brewery owner? <sighs> you know, it's like one of those things, it's like a market that's there, but like we don't uh, focus on it like intensely. We have a whole sub brand called Hard Sippin'. Yeah. Um, you know, 12-ounce cans, <laughs> mixed, mixed fruits and stuff like that. Um we're probably going to try to launch it a little harder this year on the distro side and see how it runs. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like, it's another aspect, another product that we can offer when someone comes in here. Yeah. You get groups of 10 people that come in here. Seven of those people, like they're into craft beer. Yeah, that's the other three. three. Yeah. That like, all right, well, eh, you know, I don't drink yeah. I like wine. Get some right. cider or yeah. something yeah. like that. So now we take the seltzer and try to throw that in the mix a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, the other aspects we're trying to expand on the distribution side and uh, grow that as further and further, more and more. Uh, one thing that we're going to be launching outside of the state, yeah. So that's uh, 
Jerry, he's going to hate me for this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm not just, supposed to discuss I'm sitting it. on my hands because I'm going to punch him. If <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Get out another thing. Yeah. No, I mean, Why no, it's... We, we already had some exclusives this week. Well, yeah. out, so yeah. come on, give him a give response. No, outside of Connecticut distribution will be a huge goal for us. Um, and we're just really trying to hone it in and perfect what we have. Well, nothing's perfect, but really get a grasp on what we have going on here and in the state of Connecticut and then looking at the opportunities outside of that and what it entails and what we'll need essentially coming up with our checks and balances to make sure because I've seen other breweries do it where they launch in another state and then within six months they withdraw. Oh yeah, we yeah. see it so, all the time. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being curious and being like, hey, how is yeah. our brand going to do in another state? Dip Definitely. your toes and you so, might as well. Right, yeah. exactly. And then that kind of also draws that attention to people too. Like, yeah. oh, what happened? They're not distributing in Connecticut anymore. And then it'll bring them to our website. It's, it's funny oh though. It's, it's, website it's, traffic. Yeah, yes. It is funny though. Like I have wondered, like I have seen brands come and go in our state. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if, and I wonder if it's it, part of be, that, like, you and know, sometimes lore. it's uh, testing the distributors too. Like yeah. some distributors, it's kind of like a, um, I don't know. Like a, trial, I, wanna, I call it like run. the honeymoon phase, oh, but yeah, yeah. trial run, yeah, trial run. <laughs> where it's yeah. like, you know, they can, instead of setting in stone a contract, you can go with them for like 90 a, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a certain amount of time, test the market, see what happens. If that's the best distributor relationship for you and your brand, um, and then kind of go from there. So yeah. that's a uh, background research we've been working on. Yeah. Yep. It's a, uh, you know, hard ciders in the future as well. Cool. Um, mead, possibly, because people confuse us a lot with mead. With the of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, imagine. Yeah. It'd be right on brand for us. Uh, yeah. Connecticut, their licensing structure, uh, breweries are in distilleries on their own, and then um, cider, wine, wine, mead are all in their one license, yeah. too. So mm -hmm. that's uh, something for us. And then uh, something in the near future is we're going to be starting to roast our own coffee. Ooh. Cool. So, um, nice. This space that. right over here used to be a really disgusting office from the manufacturing company that was here. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> so uh, Mike and the brew house guys took a day or two and completely demoed it, filled like two gigantic dumpsters of crap nice. from in there. 70s carpet. Yeah. Ooh, delish. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get yeah. any uh, bags of cement? <laughs> not this yeah. time. Not, yeah, not yet. <laughs> Learn my lesson. You pay for that stuff from me on out. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, they just finished the so. floors over there. We cool. already hired a coffee roaster. Yep. A really it. smart guy. He's been in the business, coffee roasting business for a while. So it's pretty fascinating. To, like, yeah, it's, that's, it's just that's like, like brewing. A, yeah. like, yeah, it's it's like it's brewing insane. itself. It's a brand extension of ours, um, but we're going to try to integrate it on the brewing side too, as well. Yeah. So I mean, people like you know, you get the tree houses out there. They got their own coffee. A few other people do the same oh, thing yeah. too. Uh, we're going to try to do same thing. We're going to steep it in nitro cold brew can it too on mm. our Brad. equipment. Yes. So kind of cross promote on both aspects yeah, of definitely. things. Um, we're trying to use some of our brands that we've created on the beer side, translate them over to like coffee drinks. So yeah. kind of back and forth with a few things. How do you, oh my God. Huh, huh. That, was, that was, wow. Uh, don't even cut that. I love that. Shit. <laughs> um, uh, 125 breweries in the state. And then you're trying to sell your own brands, self-distribute. And you go into a package store or liquor store. And there are so many other breweries on the, on the, on the shelves, in the, in the coolers. Like why are people choosing your beer? Um, kind of goes back to what we were talking about with brand loyalty um, when we started and having a really big support system and community <clears throat> behind um, enjoying coming in and enjoying our beers. When Alvarium first opened, they were their primary goal was the tap room. They really harnessed that energy for about a year um, and created a huge fan base of you can only get it at the brewery and people get excited when they see our stuff on the shelf. 
And um, kind of like we were talking about before, it's a different, you know, all these different variables. Did we open at the right time? Maybe our distribution was started at the right time because yeah. now we're in it going on three and a half, four years. And people, they know our core brands um, to the point where, um, you know, there's a ton of new breweries on the shelf. But if you have somebody that's a diehard sea hack drinker, they're going to go right by, explore, look at what's new. And if nothing interests them, they're always going to grab that six pack of sea hack. Yeah. So fresh for us has kind of been that core brand where that's the number one selling beer that we make here. We go through about 30 barrels of it a week. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that's something it's brand recognition. Like I have liquor stores that will tell me people come in and buy from the liquor store, like three cases at a time. Oh, Jesus. Like it's insane. Yeah. Like that is and insane. It's, it's a really good, I mean, it's a great problem to have, but yeah, definitely. at the same time, it's, you know, I'm excited to see a lot of the new stuff on the shelf too. And I do get a lot of feedback from mostly liquor stores and restaurants, um, about just having too much beer and too many things going on. Yeah. Um, but like we discussed, I think things will kind of start settling down and, um, our biggest thing is establishing our core brands. Like, you know, the Millhouse can that you have in front of you, that's our in-house temporary, you know, limited release yeah. beer. So but that label itself, you'll never see, or you shouldn't see on a liquor store shelf because yeah. it's something that we did in-house that- <laughs> Yeah, if you see it there, it's a problem. <laughs> right, yeah. like yeah. if you, and you know, we can make five different beers using that label, but nobody's gonna know. They'll know it's Alvarium, but yeah. what is it? Whereas, yeah. you know, you look at Cremo, you look at Honey Shot, you look at these different, oh, they're every very brand, yeah. yeah, and every can has its story. So, you know, thankfully, yes, there is a flood of ridiculous amounts of <laughs> small guys yeah. coming out yeah. and trying to, you know, get, get that shelf space. But um, we have a pretty good, strong brand. Yeah. So yeah. we haven't really seen any major. The other issues. side of that is, uh, I mean, we have the strong brand side of it, the cores, the name itself. Um, there is a little bit of that word that you hate. Hype. Yes. Uh, yes. Awesome. I'm so glad we're going yeah. full circle. Yeah, full circle. Yeah. So like, is that, that, you know, that, that stuff that's only available here? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, we make, do you have lines or is that, is that a thing of a past lines for cans? Lines? Um, well, we, well, we used oh, to, oh, but oh, we, yeah, do. we used to, now it's all online. Yeah. yeah. Now people yeah. get pissed when that doesn't show up in the, the cart. Yeah. 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 So yeah. the thing is I now, like, when you go check out, wasn't yeah, there. we get a lot of hate mail when we do major beer releases within, <laughs> within 20 minutes of the post going yeah. live. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, uh, we just really, we have a, a yearly release. Yeah. We make it on a quarterly basis and we make one special one every year. It's a bourbon barrel aged salted peanut butter cup porter. Ooh. I bet you that's wonderful. It's delicious. Yeah. So it's, it sells out. It's like ten and a half percent. So we made tiered off into a small batch of one called the Queen Cluster this year. It was a raspberry marshmallow version of it. Mm. Put it in five hundred milliliter bottles. We were only able to yield about like one hundred and forty, and we sold them in under a minute. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> and uh, there was you know, some angry folks. Some out there. very but, angry folks. But yeah, you know, it's, it's this is the craft beer side of it. It's like we're trying something small, and you know we That's do a great happens. job on the social media side of it and yeah. launch it out it's, there. And it's also the way that the world has kind of transformed due to all of the COVID stuff going on. Beer. Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, so yeah, people are upset because we post on social media that, hey, tomorrow at 8 or 9 a.m., this beer is going live on our website. Post. And if you miss it, but think yeah. of it this way. If we only had 140 bottles and there's 140 people standing in line out front and you're the 141st person. Right. That sucks. It's the same yeah. concept. Yeah. It's just that yeah. you didn't get online fast enough. Yeah. Like we, and that's the thing that I we're would rather very, not get online fast enough than drive an hour to come. Oh my god! You know, right? and that's and that's yeah. another Seriously. thing is like yeah. you know people are angry about it, but it's kind of more convenient. You didn't have to leave your couch on a Saturday yeah. morning to get a t 
hype beer release right. as Plus we call it. Is like, at like 8 a.m. and you're here and you're like, you're not even open. I can't yeah. even sit here and drink right. a beer. But exactly. <laughs> Obviously with COVID times, right? But do you miss that? I, I certainly don't. Like I fucking hated waiting. I've never I, waited. I, in yeah. I, I mean, yeah. good for you. It's not for me. It's not for me, but like I've done it a couple of times. I just fucking hate it. I mean, it's the worst. It was, it, you know, even on the back end side of it, you know, we were filling crawlers of stuff before, like around the. Fuck the, that. Like, come <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah. No. I and thought our tapper manager was going to divorce. <laughs> like, we're canning this next time. I'm yes. not spinning yeah. 400 and something crawlers God. on a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. How miserable was that? Oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. It was bad. It Awful. was bad. You're like, all right, we'll get a label made for this one. Yeah. Know that, like, it's much easier with a canning machine. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, there is. Uh, the little bit side of it, like, you know, you drive in the parking lot at 8 a.m., there's 15 people standing outside your door already. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I think I got this. Like, yeah. <laughs> so something like, you know, it, it was Ooh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Michael uh, also spins records on the weekend. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I can tell. <laughs> DJ Mike. Yeah. But yeah. There's something that side of it. But yeah, like from a consumer standpoint, I did the whole treehouse thing and you go up there and say, oh, yeah. Morning, and, you know, when they were, in, uh, there's Charlton, Charlton, no, the Munson, Munson place. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the OG spot. Yeah, yeah. You're out in the you know, dirt parking lot that goes way back in the barn and everything else. Yeah. And you know there is some camaraderie in that side of it. You it was cool. Yeah, it was like if you know, you know. But yeah. well, like, that the cool part about what they did was the whole Twitter thing where people were giving you line updates mm, of like, yeah. oh, yes. at the first light post, oh, yeah. at the. And I, again, I didn't do that. It's not my jam. But I've had people. That's like how you can kind of gauge if you're already on your way there. Is it worth right. continuing? the trip or if you're yeah. like yeah. fuck this I'm going home yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. okay I want one more thing oh yeah we yeah. talked about this earlier and I want to dive into it again the Cremo Ale story yeah yeah, yeah. tell us let's, that let's yeah, hear it, that I, I gave you guys a brief rundown before we started this thing it's, it's actually a really cool story so uh, Cremo Ale uh, we got a few cans floating around here but uh, it's an old school design um, the brewery I think I'm going to get the dates screwed up but say 1905 1903 they started um, they closed the shop in the mid 1950s when the big like the Coors and Anheuser started coming out really heavy. I call it almost the the time of the TV dinner. Oh. Basically uh, <laughs> destroyed the local craft yeah. brands, local stuff like that, where people just wanted that fast thing and mm -hmm. the cheap stuff and everything else. But Cremo Brand, um, it was a brewery located about uh, 400 yards to the left Basically of our facility, at the, yeah, end of our road here. Um, in their heyday, they had almost 500 people working there. Um, wow. They probably made junk beer, but they just made it in like the mass quantity amounts. People didn't really care about, I mean, they cared about the quality, but like there was only one reason they were drinking it because, you know, like forget the day. Up. Yeah, right. Boozed up at that yeah. point. Um, but the, there's so much, there's, you know, when we first opened and then uh, we acquired the rights and the trademark to actually brew this brand from the, someone that acquired them from the original family members. Oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. Cool. So there's a, on the other side of New Britain here, um, there's a soda company that's been there since 1903. 1995. Uh, they call Avery Soda. Make craft sodas out of an old um, firehouse. Really cool. Really cool. Like, he makes a lot of weird stuff. We too, like. Wait, are they here. still like? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're still, still functional. We yeah. sell their we we soda do. here. That should be an interview. That yeah. would be fun, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I encourage like, it. Yeah. He upgraded his equipment. I think it's the, the machine's from like 1955 now. So oh, oh okay. Um, but <laughs> really awesome. cool. So he ended up buying the rights and the trademark to Cream Oil. And, you know, I worked with him quite a bit when I was younger and you know, we knew I was starting this thing and we started doing this cream oil. As soon as we did it, like there were some, you know, guys that were in like late eighties, early nineties coming in here. I'm like, Oh my, my dad used to send me down and buy this stuff. And, um, 
the the stories too, like uh, one of the major stories is like when they made bad beer, they had a spigot out back of their place that you could just walk up and fill a, bucket. fill a bucket. Oh my God. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I guess they ended up having a giant homeless population that lived around. Uh, thing, yeah. Stop yeah. it. Weird. You know? um, but the, you know, the, the, we found some pictures, a little bit of a story uh, side of him. You come in our tap room. Um, they brewed through prohibition. They did wow. not give a fuck. Yeah. They, they uh, silently like, brewed through prohibition yep. and they uh, actually they caught. Come- they yeah, they fined, did. Like the, the federal government fined them like ten thousand dollars back oh, in nineteen thirty-five. That's like a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now it, they're, yeah, it's they're, like, they're like, oh, yeah, whatever. Keep going. Um, <laughs> when prohibition ended, that there's a picture somewhere in like a local article. I saw it. Like this road here was like just in its infancy. It was like a dirt road back. Yeah. Then. There was like ten thousand people that attended their grand reopening. Oh my oh, god. Yeah. yeah. Um, Probably all the Stanley Decker yeah. people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, like, it was a great time for the, them to be here. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. we were talking about the manufacturing culture. Yeah. yeah. Over the course of their, uh, you know, their stint of the 50 or so years, like I think the brewery caught on fire like five or six times. <laughs> <laughs> We're so laughing great. about this like misfortune, yeah, but it's like, right. oh, it's so funny. No. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a That's cool story. Crazy. It's, uh, you know, it was the history of New Britain. There's a tear off called the Diplomat brand. Um, that was a sub parent brand of Cremo. Um, I feel like when we start making those, can we just call them Dipset? Because I don't yeah, think Dipset is like alive <laughs> anymore. Oh probably they're probably not a thing anymore, so we don't have to worry about a cease yeah. and desist this yeah. time. Yeah, we ride that line with this a lot time. of little, yeah, cease and desist stuff too sometimes. But it's yeah. fun, right? Yeah. 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 But now we make a couple of the others. So we have Cremo Ale, yep. we have a dark lager that they make, Cremo Dark, and then we just now, is um, these recipes that, so uh, are they your own recipes? They're our own Tweets. recipes. <laughs> they're, I mean, obviously, uh, the recipes back then, the grains were very limited, and, right. uh, you know, they were basically burning whatever they had. Yeah, they were no I mean, water treatment. Was, or what like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's no glycol fermentation yeah. control. <laughs> what? Like, that. like <laughs> a big tank inside of a cooler or something like that yeah. with some ice in the ground. Like, that's how they keep it cold. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, like, Cremo Ale is a light American adjunct lager. Um, we use corn inside of it, or flake corn, yep. to gain some of that, like, the taste taste behind it. Yeah. Uh, we use a clean cutting ale yeast. Um, that just, it's not that cream is actually not a lager. That's just an American ale, yeah. but, um, gives it a nice, like clean cut little like flake corn characteristic to it. We tried to mimic a little bit of what they did back then. We yeah. did a little bit of research, uh, but couldn't really find too much. Yeah. Not too much out there. So we lost the recipes and all those fires. And all those yeah. fires, yeah. right? Yeah. It's probably like one dude that knew how to do it or one so, yeah. you know, There's like, just I mean, one yeah. guy that was yeah. never going to quit. He's yeah. like, I'm going to be there here. for the whole 50 yeah. years. Yeah, exactly. yeah so uh, the crazier part, I mean, there's the, the crazy kind of like sad side of the story. Uh, so the the head wow. brewer, wow. you know, the head brewer was actually, or the head master brewer because he's from Germany back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he was trying to build, or they were going to build a second or third location or second location down in New Jersey. And then uh, the, from what we heard from the original family members, the brewer was driving a tractor trailer with equipment on it, and it flipped over in New York City, and he passed away. Oh, my, oh my God. God. That, that's Jeez. how, like, the kind of, like, Terrible. one I mean, of the talk reasons. Talk about going out in a flame of glory. Yeah, just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> driving, <laughs> driving with all your brewing equipment. Right. Just over just. And, you know, stuff so everywhere. that was, like, one wow. of the downfalls of the brewery. It was one of the yeah. one downfalls. He knew all the recipes. That's why. Right. Right. Yeah, 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 that's probably yeah. why they were like, well, we got to close up shop now. Yeah, I mean, some of the stats of, like. Some poor Sellerman was like, it's your turn now. <laughs> I don't know the actual numbers. They're very close to what I'm going to say. But so, I think, like, uh, you know, in the mid early 1900s, um, there was probably, a, I think there was like 3,500 or 3,000 roughly breweries in the United States. Yeah. In the 1950s, it dropped to like 400. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's when the, this, you know, Cremo ended up closed and stuff like that. That's when it said like the Anheuser's and Miller Coors, yeah. they ended up taking growing right. power on that side of things. Right. And then, you know, the resurgence came in, um, 
when you know, homebrewing got legal, Sam Adams in the 80s, stuff like that. Yeah. And that really took off in the 90s. And I think we <laughs> we re-served, we, we hit that maybe like four years ago, there was like the equal amount of breweries that there was in like 1920. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was a big yeah. change in that side of things. That, this would be so cool because in Massachusetts, there are a ton of breweries that were just defunct now. And yeah. it would be awesome to see more of that throwback cans yeah. like this. Just because yeah. this yeah. is... Hey, such a fucking cool shirt. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if you well, sell this. Yeah. Oh, we do. Yeah. 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 Uh, we might be low stock on them, but we yeah. definitely had those as shirts. And um, yeah. like I said, with the front hallway where all the pictures are of the build out, we actually have like a curio cabinet yeah. of some bottles. We actually have some bottles of beer They're that still, ha- still have beer in them. Oh, the really? Yeah. Yeah. From like, we should drink it. It looks like, <laughs> no, I, don't, I actually, I was trying to encourage them to do that a couple weeks ago, but um, yeah. Great um, content. It Come was on. just like when they opened and started doing Cremo, like people oh, I mean, they just were, started bringing like all of this crazy, like. Wood his, crates they had in their basement. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. That's so it was cool. part of the history of this area. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. yeah it was definitely, definitely. I mean, we have probably a dozen wood crates of Cremo. They're like, um, you know, we're cleaning our stuff out. Like, let's add this to your collection. I mean, we had diplomat shot glasses, uh, tons like, of different style bottles. Like, I don't cans. want it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it got, to, it got to the point. Like, yeah. Yeah. No. It got to the point where we don't need 700 bottles <laughs> yeah. from yeah. the it's, 50s of Cremo right, Ale. You right, know, yeah. like we're never, what are we going to use it for, you know? Yeah. No, but it's a, it's a good homage to like, the yeah. history. Yeah. It's one of those things that gives uh, our brewery a more bigger purpose than just throwing Definitely. my brewing down here. It's like Definitely. we have a connection, you know, not only to the city of New Britain with like our history and our story, but now we have like brought back, brought back a dead brand that was, you know, died off in the fifties. Yeah. Then we revived it and actually put more meaning to it. And yeah. we had a whole like clientele that the day we first released Cremo, the, the newspapers came down here and like, oh, they were doing awesome. a whole big story on yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, clientele was like 80 years old and plus like like I remember this brand like yeah. right. I was 12, year old, 12 yeah. years old drinking these beers my dad brought home for me we like, actually still have a guy yeah. um what's his name Al? Al yeah there's a guy that comes down 93 now, did he 93 years yeah. old I don't know he, he lived up the street and he like literally lived he's like a New Britain native yeah but uh, he rides his bicycle down here. He Love comes him. in, has his half a pint of Cremo ale, gets on his bicycle, and then rides back home. That's He's the adore it. I adore yeah. him. That's I love amazing. Him. So He's a sweetheart. I feel like we need to do another episode with you because we're running a little bit past oh, time. Oh, we're so over the hour. Like, we have to be. But, uh, <laughs> we didn't even get into the cheesecake beers. Yeah, I know. I, like, I wanted yeah. to do that. But, oh, um, <laughs> you know, Congratulations, first and foremost, for everything you're doing here. Yeah, um, it's you. really cool. Um, I can you? I, we mentioned night shift, like the guys over yeah. night shift. Like, I a lot of what you're doing is very similar to what night shift's doing. Um, and I wish nothing but success for you. Definitely. Um, because we talked to some smaller breweries today. Um, I mean, and everyone was like, "Oh, their name's awesome. Their name's awesome. Yeah, no. And we yeah, hear they that all had good things to say about you. Everyone guys, had so really good things to it, say it, about it, you. Better. Kind of joking. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, guys. We love you too. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of like a closing thing I wanted to tell you about is uh, in some of what I believe in the industry itself. Yeah, so there's 125 breweries here, and we are competing each other against a certain standpoint. But I help as many people as I possibly can. If I sell them hops or invite offer them advice on equipment design or, you know, if they need some cans in a jam or whatever the case is. Um, because if I walk into a bar and there is 15 taps on that bar, I don't want to see one non-Connecticut made product in there. Yeah. yeah. The one, camaraderie here is yeah. like we're one big family. You know, it's, if yeah, if I see Miller Coors each other product as much as or, possible, you know, and Miller Coors or Anheuser and then those tomatoes, like that's where I'm trying to make Connecticut craft beer win is making sure that like that 15 taps is all Connecticut craft beer. We're actually seeing a lot way, more. But. We're actually seeing a lot more bars opening up recently over the past few years in Connecticut that are like 
we only want Connecticut beer. That's awesome. awesome. I just signed that's on a new account yeah. last yeah. week. They have 16 taps and they're like, we only want Connecticut I beer. I love that. Yeah. That's so, the reason. And immediately I got off the phone and called like four of my friends that yeah. have other self-distributing breweries. And I'm like, hey guys, there's a new place. <laughs> Guess what? And then all of a sudden they like swarm. <laughs> yes. Like it's, you know, dead meat. And they're like, ah, <laughs> it's great. You need like a bat signal. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Sell your beer here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that's the big thing about helping everybody out within the Connecticut. Yeah. I mean, craft beer community is always very uh, collaborative. Yeah. But you know, if I walk in and see the 15 Connecticut craft taps, that's not only one. Yeah. We've said this awesome. before. We said this with, you know, Epicare when we did it. We felt that the Connecticut beer scene is kind of where Massachusetts was. Oh, you like, guys met uh, Robin Jobina? Yeah. Jobina, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jobina, yeah. yeah. Love Jobina. She's we the do best. Too. He's yeah. a force to be reckoned with. Seriously. For sure. Um, but I feel like the Connecticut beer scene is kind of where Massachusetts was like five years ago. Yeah. And I feel like I, f I was like, I'm so excited to go back to Connecticut. Granted, I said like, I, we need to go to New Haven because I just want pizza. But like, <laughs> but, but also but like, modern with Sally's. We, so we went to Sally's, to Sally's, but like, I love modern too. Oh, so like, I get yeah. it. I get yeah, Peppy's. Oh, yeah. They're all good. Uh, but in my opinion, it's just, it's refreshing to kind of see this vibrance in the Connecticut beer scene. And I'm not throwing shade at like the Massachusetts no, beer scene, but it does seem like a lot of things are just like rinse, rinse, dry and repeat, you know? Yeah. It's fun to kind of go back in time and feel some of that yeah. fresh passion. I guess, yeah. You know? Fresh with a pH. Yes. Yeah. pH. Yeah, for, yes. Sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, fresh exactly. Passion. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but, um, we want our listeners to come to Alvarium. Uh, you can go to their website, right? What's the website? Yep. So all of our social media platforms, whether it be Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter, um, untapped. It's just at Alvarium Beer. Yep. All Perfect. of them are the same. Um, our website is just alvariumbeer.com. Um, if you go on to the current one, it's in, it's not it's quite, it's, it's, it's there, but it's in the works. <laughs> so give us a couple soon. more months. Yeah, exactly. Some updated photos and new content and cool. stuff. Yeah, we get these um, really cool new features too. Like I said, uh, coming on, it's like, say you like Citra hops and you click on Citra on like my, one of the beers. Like all the beers we make of Citra will come up. What? Yeah, I bet your least search one will be Strata because I hate Strata. I'm just kidding. You like Strata? No, I, I made a post. Jeez. I made a post on Twitter that was like, "Which? What's your least favorite hop and why is it Strata?" And I got a ton of shit. So yeah. it's like, yeah, we, well, we make a beer. Yeah. 100% Strata. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's. It's not. You know, I'm not a big IPA fan, but you know, not a big. It's Nelson a cool fan. feature. Yeah, yeah, cool yeah. yeah, yeah. Every, everybody has their favorite hop, and that's quite. Yeah, why it's and that's why it's cool. Yeah, that's true. Where are you physically located? Now you can type it into the Google machine. So Central, yeah. we're uh, Central Connecticut, about 15 minutes south of Hartford, if you've never been to Connecticut. Um, and the address is just 365 John Downey Drive in New Britain. Cool story about next time you come back about John Downey. Uh, he was an awesome dude. Yeah. Uh, CIA agent, uh, prisoner oh. of war for like 30 years. Oh crashed God. his plane in like North Korea. Korea. I, know, it's, I got a whole story on that, dude. Love it. So, we definitely are coming back. back. There's so many back. stories. Yeah. So yeah. many stories. Yeah, we might be at the, uh, what's the, the, the March um, Crap Beer Fest? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We'll the Guild Fest. You'll yeah. see us there. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll hang out. We'll have a pint. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Sounds good. We'll see you guys there. Yeah. So we want our listeners, please come to Alvarium. Uh, the brewery is awesome here. Uh, cool staff. Really awesome place. And, uh, Great Just come down to Connecticut. Honestly, uh, we were able to hit a couple spots within 15 minutes of each other. Um, come with a group of friends. It's a great place to stay. Hotels are pretty cheap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's a it's really good it. place. Yeah. All right. Until uh, next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.